Hello, everybody. Welcome to For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and I am the, I don't know, guy that likes to have the conversations for the show. Today, I have a very cool guest, Adam White of Front Office Sports. He's the CEO. Um, If you're not familiar, Front Office Sports is a very, very fast-growing media company based in New York City that really deals with the business side of sports. Um, It's a huge, huge industry, and they do some really cool things there. They're events, their content, their social media, specifically their newsletter is fantastic and I love it. Um, so just getting to talk to Adam and what it's been like on this wild ride where, you know, you'll hear in the beginning, he was serving mimosas about a year and a half ago and now he's the CEO of a extremely fast rising media company. So it is really cool. It's very fun. And he, he has a lot of insight. Um, he was a little tired and you know, Hey, aren't we all sometimes? So it is what it is, but it was a lot of fun to get to talk to him. And I really hope you guys do enjoy this episode with Adam. Killer man. All right. Well, today we have Adam White of Front Office Sports, the CEO. Um, most people, yeah, has that, you're laughing a little bit. Do you not like being called CEO? I mean, nah, it's fine. I like it. I, it is what it is. I mean, you know, at some point it's not like, I guess there's this idea of like CEOs and, and kind of what they stand for and, and what they do. And um, I think what I do is far from that, right? You know, because we're still at the phase where you do everything and you're mm-hmm. all over the place. And, you know, it's not like I'm Bob Iger and I have, I can write a full book or something like that, you know, and he obviously he's so busy running a multi-billion dollar company, but it's, it's just different, right? And so, yeah, it's still, you know, no matter what, 25 and hearing CEO associated with that is, is interesting, especially now as we've grown the company and it's like, okay, that actually has some merit because of the fact that we have a group of investors that I report to and we have you know, 11, actually, excuse me, 13 full-time other people that are underneath me, right? Like, it's like having 13 kids. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, you laugh because it's like, shit, I'm a year and a half removed from serving mimosas at a bar, at a bar and still like trying to figure out if this was ever going to work to now here we are. So yeah, it's, 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 it's more of a surreal laugh than it is like, I don't, I don't like it, but uh, yeah, it's cool though. I, it is what it is. I enjoy it. I'm, I'm sure you dig it a little bit. It's got to be kind of cool. I mean, you don't seem like the egotistical guy. I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, you know, this is the first time we're getting to talk other than over email. I mean, I've talked to Russ a bunch. He is a very laid back dude. A lot of fun to talk to. Don't know super why he Cal- didn't. Super Cali vibes. Yeah, super Cali vibes. I, I would say that. I wanted to get him on. He said, no, no, no. Talk to uh, talk to our CEO, our, our chief, our leader, Adam yeah, White. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Russ, is, Russ is like CEO number two, even though he I doesn't know. like to, even though he doesn't like to, to, outward face that he's been with me through the whole entire thing. I mean, his, his title could be co-founder for all I care at this point. And I think that's what makes us work. Right. It's like, I don't think either of us are too caught up or worried about um, what it is when it comes down to like, who does what, and what does who, and like, you know, it's just all about like, how do we move the needle? And I think there's been not a lot of ego between both of us in terms of like, you know, some days, I'm, I can admit he knows things better than I do. And other days I know things better than he does. And yeah, we play off each other. So luckily that's, that's been pretty positive. 
That is a pretty sweet dynamic and not everybody can be in that situation. So, you know, again, Russ is a very cool dude. You get to spend a lot of time with him. So I'm jealous there, but, um, you know, it is, it is really interesting. You bring up egos and, you know, as we're talking about CEO and co-founder and whatever, I didn't come from a corporate world. Um, so a title never, I never cared about what a title was or who was who. And then I actually kind of, so now I do a little consulting and I get into that world occasionally and seeing how specific people are about their titles has been very, very fascinating to me. And seeing how much caring between manager, director, I don't know, I'm the senior director of communications. Like, all right, well, do you do this job? It's like, yeah, then who the hell cares what your yeah. title is, right? I mean, like, it's like, what you yeah. do. I mean, look, at the end of the day, titles are, it's, I mean, titles are just for external organization. I mean, yes, they are for internal organization, but for us, like, you know, we hired someone and we said, you know, externally, this role was, let's just say event coordinator. And the person who we hired was like, Hey, you know, I know this is a step up in pay and stuff like that, but I'm currently a manager. Can we just change my title to be, you know, experiential uh, community engagement lead? And I was like, yeah, who cares? Like <laughs> if it works for you, it's fine. Sure. For me, you know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah, obviously as you get into big corporate structures, I don't think it works the same um, just yeah. because of what it is and like how people are structured. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think you could probably be better off with less titles and less confusion because now it's like, you know, senior director of this, 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 and, and this minus this. And it's just like, okay, you could just be someone who does comms or whatever, you know? I yeah. don't know. It's just, it's just a lot of convolution at this point that confuses things more so because it's almost like, it's almost like there's no standard metric, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's like every job, you could be a coordinator here, but a manager here, but a director here. And like, the comms title may be PR here. You know what I mean? There's just no, someone needs to come up with like a standard of, I guess it's not possible just because everything is different, but like there's, there needs to be some sort of like standardization of titles. I think that would be amazing. That sounds like a whole nother company on itself. And I don't yeah, think you're I don't, willing, I don't no. think you're willing to do that right now, man. No, not, not, not right now. Not yet. <laughs> not maybe, maybe after, maybe after a few years of doing this, when you, you want yeah. to, yeah. But, um, so, man, this is a real interesting way to start off the conversation. I, I kind of like it, and that's why I do what we do, right? We just enjoy this. We have conversations. We just ask questions to people. The first question I usually like to ask is, where does your love of sports come from? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was I played sports growing up. I mean, I think it's pretty pretty apparent across most people who like sports, right? They played sports growing up, and they had some success in it. Uh, and so, you know, I played baseball and swam and in high school and college and had some success in it and I enjoyed it and it was fun and, you know, played a little bit of baseball at school and college and didn't swim anymore. But yeah, I mean, it's just been something that I did, especially as an only son, right? As an only son, then obviously that's like all you do, right? <laughs> You're the mm-hmm. only son. No offense. My sister played, my sister's played sports too, but it's just different like son father relationship. Yeah. When it comes to yeah. Sports. And so yeah, I mean, I think that was early on kind of where it came from. And then, you know, as you grow, as you grow up, it's just, there's, it's a common bond, right? You have something to cheer about with people. You have something to, like, I go to a U Miami bar on Saturdays and everyone's there and they're cheering for Miami. And I don't know what they do, where they're from, how much money they have, whatever. It doesn't matter, but we're all there cheering for UM. And it's just like, we're friends, at least for that. Mm-hmm. hours at a time right so yeah it's just always been something that i've enjoyed it's always been something that's been a part of my life and obviously it's kind of turned into part of i mean it is my life at this point so. mm-hmm. how, do you, how good do you think miami football is going to be next year 
Bro, I, I'm <laughs> telling you, it's so bad. It's it's really, really it's like a Miami football is like a bad drug, man. It's just like just when you you get off of it, they hook you back. Yep. In, right? The big the big transfer quarterback. They get the big t- the defensive end. So we have basically one two in defense. They get the the sexy offensive coordinator. They do this. They do that. It's like they did it all last year. And it's like we're going to the natty, and then we lose to whoever we lost to. And I'm like, so it's like, yes, I want to believe in it, and yes, I'm like, but I'm like, do I want to just stick myself with it all right now? Or you know, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, look, with the schedule and the people that they have, and hopefully Coach Diaz in his second year, kind of figuring out things. Like, it should be them and Clemson in the ACC championship every single year. And so hopefully that's what happens. And you know. If they win and they beat Clemson in the ACC championship, do you like, you know, for a fact, they're probably going to end up in the playoff just because of the brand, let alone like the, you know, undefeated season. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. They, they have a, they should make the playoffs next year and whether they do or not, that's, that's up to them. Man, that's going to be a great clip. I can't wait to, to, to pull that one out and share that with everybody. But no, I, I agree for, for whatever reason. So I used to be a Penn State fan and then um, I stopped being a Penn State fan. So I'm pretty agnostic when it comes to college football. Um, and for whatever reason, I've always kind of equated Miami with um, Texas. It's always like, oh, but they're here. It's like, oh, now they're here. And they like used to be really, really good, like incredible. Mm-hmm. Obviously, whatever that Miami team with like Sean Taylor and all those dudes, that team was insane. Yeah, 2000, 2001 team. Thank you. So, um, but like the rest of my life, they've only been like pretty good occasionally, yeah, but it's still the, the only brand. Time and it's recently, it was when I was actually after I left uh, in 2018, I think it was Mark Ricks, I think. Yeah. Third, second year. Um, and they, you know, beat Notre Dame at home after college game day. And it was just crazy. And they're like, Oh, this is, you know, this it's is back. It. they were, they were undefeated third in the polls and, and then lost to then lost all their next three games and fell out of the running and done. But here we are now here and it's unfortunate, now. but Hey, maybe, uh, maybe Manny Diaz can figure it out. Maybe Miami it's, it's, it's the same thing. So like, I hate the Yankees, but baseball is better when the Yankees are good. Right. That's true. Like it's, it's one of those things. Like I want Texas to be good. I want Miami to be good. I don't root against them. I just root for a good game. And yeah. I mean, I didn't want to see Utah in the college football championship game. I wanted to see Oklahoma cause I at least know what Oklahoma is. I didn't think it'd be that bad. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things, like, I guess change is bad until it happens, but change is kind of bad. I want to see the things that I'm used to, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's just me and being stupid, but who the heck It's knows? just all about, I mean, it's tradition, it's legacy, it's fan bases. It's what college football is built on. So exactly. Just like LSU, being good is good for the sport. Yep, 100%. Good for the SEC, you know, not having, not having the same people in the playoffs every single year is, is good. You want variety. You know, you want Oregon to be good. You want USC to be good. And when they're good, it's more fun. Yeah, I completely agree, man. I completely agree. Um, so jumping over, so sports, obviously you've done it for a long time. Baseball is my true love. Um, it sounds like you have a pretty pretty soft spot there as well. But what what was it about sports media that you were like, hey, this is this is a pretty cool place. I want to get into this. Before the whole business aspect of it, I'm assuming the media aspect of it was at least of interest to you. Yeah, I mean, it really was all just kind of something I fell into across the board, right? It was never something I wanted to do, never something I planned to do. It was just something that came to be because I was sitting at home and I said, hey, like, what do I do for my summer while I'm back in Arizona and make sure that my, uh, you know, my time was filled because I was still playing baseball. So I was playing baseball at night. I was working out in the mornings and I was sitting around in the afternoon thinking, 
okay, what do I do to make sure at least I have some sort of connections by the time I graduate so I can go and work and I don't have to worry about going through the job application process and stuff like that. And so that's how it all started. And I said, well, if I'm going to do informational interviews for project classes, I'm going to do informational interviews and publish them and just get to meet people in the space and we'll see where it goes and hopefully it turns into a job and well, yeah, it turned into a job and more than a job realistically at this point. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been exciting, but uh, it's, it's definitely something that, you know, it's a labor of love, right? Like yeah. every, you know, overnight success story is 10 years in the making and look, we're five years into where our 10 year story. So we're only halfway there and I can, I just what's happened in the last year. I can't imagine what's going to happen in the next five. Hell yeah, man. And then you'll be able to write that Bob Iger book in another five years. That'll be pretty sweet. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that, we already have a name for it. Russ and I already have a name for it. Really? Yeah. It's, Are you allowed to tell us? Yeah, it's, 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 only if, it's called If Only We Sold Chicken Sandwiches. Oh, the name of it. There's a story behind that. I, yeah, I have to a, ask. It's a, it's a joke between him and I. Like when things get tough, we're just like, man, if only we sold chicken sandwiches. Because yeah. Yeah, he's selling chicken sandwiches is pretty friggin' easy, I'm yeah, assuming, because yeah, everybody I mean, loves chicken sandwiches. Yeah, exactly. Chick fil A can sell chicken sandwiches. I feel like I can sell a chicken sandwich. It's just, you know, no one goes into a chicken sandwich shop and says, hey, you know, that thing that you're charging X amount of dollars for, I don't want to pay that much. I hear I can pay this. You know, if that happens at Chick-fil-A, they just are like, next in media, it's like, okay, well, well here we go. We got to negotiate. And so, um, yeah, it's obviously it's different dollar amounts, but it's always been a soft spot for us. In our, excuse me, sorry. Oh, it's man. It's for us in our, in our joke internally if we sold chicken sandwiches. I mean, honestly, selling chicken sandwiches does sound like fun. Hand up. I'm going to Chick-fil-A tonight for dinner. So yeah, it's not that bad, man. And then so hopping back in time a little bit. So you started this company and you said a year and a half ago, you were selling mimosas at a bar. Um, What was it like? Like like how at that point, like when is the point where you're just like, all right, you know, we're, we're, we're jumping in feet first. We're falling off the cliff. You know, I have to stop selling mimosas at this bar tonight. Like what is that? internal struggle like yeah i mean i just got to the point where it was like we we just started making enough money to where i could pay my bills and as i mean look like i think i was paying myself like three thousand dollars a month or something like that and i was like just covering all of my bills mm-hmm. Um, and this is in New York City, correct? No, no, no. This oh, is okay. Where it's still Miami. I couldn't have done it if I was in New York. City. I was gonna say that that does sound a little cheap, but okay, that yeah, makes sense. Not a shot, Miami. So it was a little bit better. Still expensive, but a little bit better. And uh, yeah, so just somehow made it all made it all work, and that's kind of what we knew. And then as soon as I went full time, it started to really like move things down the line. And then you know, one thing happened, led to another, and you know, we started talking to investors and blah blah blah, and then. You know, you start talking to investors in April 2018, and then you move that down, and we talked to them from April 2018 till end of 2018. Excuse me, I'm going to yawn here. I think your story is pretty interesting. You shouldn't be that bored yet. Yeah, I know, I know. And then from there, you know, I we talked to the investors, like I said. Ended up landing the investment. Uh, I moved from Miami to New York at the end of 2019. And so, or excuse me, at the end of 2018, Hired our first full-time person January 1st, 2019. And then have since been in New York since then. And now we start realistically February of 2020 with 14 full-time people, 11 in New York and three 
uh, and three remote. So, and we're a fully functioning media business. So we'll have events, we'll have everything across the board. And now it's just all about refining what we did well last year and continuing to, to grow. So with you being the CEO, as you said, now having 13 or 14 kids, whatever it was, I mean, it's, it's very difficult for a parent to go from one child or, or parents, you and Russ, let's say, to go yeah. from one child to 13 or 14. I apologize. I forget the number off the top of my head. Yeah, what, so yeah we have 14 full-time people. So Russ, Russ and myself plus 12. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that sounds like a movie. Um, I'd watch that. Yeah. Russ and myself <laughs> plus 12. What, um, what is like that growth has to be just insane like how do you handle even what the heck's going on there i mean luckily it was it was in stages right you know it was, it was two here 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 um and so yeah you know the most recent round of hiring was was four and that was a lot right it was like, yeah it was editor it was reporter it was events and partnerships so it was, it was not just across a few one division it was across literally every single part of our business and so yeah, I mean, luckily Russ is, I mean, like I said at the beginning, Russ has been like the best number two you can ask for, 1A, whatever you want to call him, right? And he's been able to to take on a lot from, you know, getting people started and, and vice versa, depending on the, the people. And we just have been catching me at the end of a long week, sorry. We just, you're good, just buddy, been, you're good. We just have been uh, lucky with hiring, I think, and in, in finding you know, I think the one thing that people don't really realize is, is that there's a lot of good people who want to take chances on your brand if you want to take chances on them. And like, you can convince people who are otherwise probably in high demand to work for you if you say, hey, look, like you're going to come here and you have utmost opportunity and you own, you own your future, right? And so the way we've kind of approached hiring is that we've thought about it as finding people who are in okay situations and putting them and realistically is what a better situation than they are now. So like really good people in okay situations and taking those really put good people and putting them in what we think is a better situation. And it's kind of like, you know, washing off a, washing off a diamond, right? There's a little mud and then you wash it off and it's like, Oh wow. Like that's something that's actually like very, very legit. And so that's kind of how we approach from a hiring standpoint is like, you know, we have to go out and find people who are succeeding in it places where they may not have as many resources or whatever and put them in a situation where they can succeed at a, at a higher level. That, that is a really well thought out way of doing it. Um, and I mean, it, it makes sense, you know, right? Like when you hear someone here, so I'm, I'm going to kind of talk a little bit. So if you want to yeah. yawn again, you're more than welcome. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, like when you hear someone finally say something, it really does make sense. Um, you know, Oh, there it is. We got one. We got one. We're good. Um, uh, it really makes sense, but until you hear it said out loud is when it clicks. Right. So as you said, like finding good people is number one, right? Like talent is important, but finding very good people is number one. And if you can put them in a better situation, not only is their talent going to shine more, but their enthusiasm is probably going to ratchet up, right? Their excitement for what they're doing is probably going to ratchet up as well. And I'm assuming that is something that you've been able to see an employee three through 14 at this point. Yeah, you just, like I said, if you tell them, hey, you're not a cog in a machine here, you are the machine. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> cool. Like, that's, that's at the end of the day, like, and there's, there's people who can handle that, and there's people who can't, right? Like, that was going to be... Cogs in the machine, mm -hmm. that's fine. That's 100% fine. But in a situation like we're in, where every piece of the machine counts, you can't, you, have, you don't have room for cogs, right? And so it's more exciting to, to bring in people who don't want to be cogs, let them thrive, let them take leadership roles, because... 
you can excel as a, especially because we hire and we have a younger staff, right? You, you can accelerate yourself as a 24, 25 year old by spending two years at a startup doing everything for a role versus spending two years at a bigger media company and only doing one part of the role, right? So, you know, just for example, like someone who like runs our social media is doing everything, is planning, is strategizing, is building graphics, is doing this, is doing that. Or at a big media company, they may only be planning or they may only be posting or they may only be writing copy because they have someone else to do all the other stuff. And so for us, I think that's again the, the advantage that we tend to try and push forward to prospective employees to say, hey, look, you have the opportunity to come out and do all of this stuff. It makes it way more enticing. I mean, if I was some, you know, if, if you have these opportunities to do more, that is a good point. If you want to work in media um, and you want to do one thing, it's pretty boring, but that's, that's not why most people get in media. They don't want to do simply just posting to social media. They actually want to play with it. They want to do something, they want to get their hands dirty. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said, I would think that's, I would think that's correct. But I guess that's true. We think that way. On, yeah. We think yeah. that way. It just depends on who the person is. And that's what you have to understand. That's the other thing too. It's just every person you hire is it's a new personality and the quicker that you can mesh them into the current personalities, the better it is. And then you just have to, everyone's different, right? Some people like to be commuted, likes to have people talk to them about work stuff on Slack or it's email and not text. And so that's, you know, something that we talk about a lot is just, talking to our, our employees and saying, you know, where do you like to be communicated with when it comes to work? And some people are like, just do it on email or just do it on Slack or, hey, you can text me. Right? And that's just like one little thing that from a retention standpoint helps a lot because there's, like I said, there's a lot of people who, if I'm texting them, it's not, they, they, they don't, they're not looking forward to my text, right? No, it's not a, not, not I understand, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, but it's like, you know, they, they look forward to me from, seeing for me in like email and Slack, if I'm texting them, that could be like an emergency or something like that. So again, it's just like, that's kind of what we think about from that standpoint. And that's a great way to think about it. And I think that's awesome. As you said, from a retention standpoint, it's, it's great for the employee, but then, you know, let's throw that back to you though. Like you have to know, okay, employee three needs to be texted. Employee four needs to be communicated through Slack. It's okay now I'm sure. Right. But like in the future, with the growth that you've had in the last year, I don't know what the plans are moving forward, but I feel like that could start to just get really yeah, convoluted, right? Yeah, I mean, then it goes down to the, well, then you put in number twos in places and then you're only talking to them, right? So theoretically, as you grow, it's supposed to fan out. And then I'm only talking to, to Russ and Ian on stuff, not Russ, Ian, Matt, Mitch, you know, everyone, right? Mm -hmm. I'm only talking to two people and those two people are talking to the eight, other eight people. So realistically, I'm dealing with eight people and they're dealing with eight people, right? Or whatever it is. And so mm -hmm. it, it, it doesn't really change. It just changes how it's kind of distributed. That makes sense. That's a really well thought out answer and a great That's one. Good. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate that. And the more I talk to you, the more I understand this uh, Forbes 30 under 30 thing. Um, <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. Uh, again, you don't seem like a very egotistical guy. You seem like you're doing what you're doing because you actually enjoy it and you're kind of having a little bit of fun along the way. Might be tired, but I mean like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get that's that. Okay. I get that. life without being tired? Exactly. Less coffee, I guess. Um, so with that, was like when – is this something I, so I don't know you're good you can yawn you're fine I'll keep, no, I'll keep, I'll keep I'm sorry for busting your balls a little bit man no, it's, it's more good. fun this way yeah, um but like with with that I mean you you also got um Forbes also put you as the top 50 most um 
best follows for Twitter for like four years in a row or whatever in sports yeah. business. Um, actually, you know what? We didn't haven't even actually talked about front office sports. Could you explain to me what front office sports is? I know what it is, but I'm sure yeah. people out there are like, what the hell are we talking about, guys? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, it's a business publication that covers, uh, covers the sports industry specifically, right? So, you know, with us and, and kind of how we view ourselves, and, and really what would be a quick couple sentences is that you know, front office sports is a business news platform covering the sports industry and, you know, our editorial purview, we cover the business strategies of teams, leagues, companies, and brands and the cultural factors influencing and influenced by the sports industry. And so, you know, it's, it's $80 billion industry and we feel like there's a huge opportunity to be, you know, or create what would be or look like the wall street journal of sports or the Bloomberg of sports. And, and I think that's what we're really aiming to try and do. And in just a cooler way than Darren Ravel, right? <laughs> Darren's a good friend. No, I know. Uh, he, I've, he, ho- I've only heard good things. It's he just, has, he's yeah. too easy, man. It's he too easy. His, he has his own way about going and going about things. But that's his stick, right? Yeah. It works for him. It I is, like him, honestly. Yeah. I like Darren Ravel. I don't think he's that bad. I don't know why everybody else hates him, but it is a pretty easy target. So maybe yeah. that's on me. Maybe I should get better material. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so going back to the Forbes thing, so 30 under 30 top 50 best follows in the sports, um, business category, again, you're not looking like, or seeming to be a very egotistical person. I, did that mean a lot? Was it kind of just a cool feather in the cap or really? Yeah, I, mean, I, think that- I think it was definitely a cool feather in the cap. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot more that we want to do and a lot more. Oh, of course. Yeah. On. Um, but yeah, of course. Anytime you win something, but it's more so about the team, right? It's kind of how we see it as like, you know, what are they accomplishing? And are they, and is Forbes, yeah, cool. Forbes is great for me, but if Forbes is only great for me, what does it mean for them, right? And like, what does it mean for us? So, yeah, it's, I mean, look, it's, at the end of the day, any PR is good PR, yeah. especially as a, mm-hmm. as a young media company. And so we'll take it however we want, however we can get it. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, it, it was a surprise. I had no idea it was coming. It was just on one day I got an email. They're like, hey, you won. And I was like, well, shit. Okay. Sweet. And then you get a lot of love. And yeah, it was, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's just, again, like you said, a feather in the cap more so than anything else. And yeah, of course, it's something that you can take and you can put on a, the back of your you know, book that you write one day or whatever it is like that. If so, only we sold chicken sandwiches. Yeah, if only we sold chicken sandwiches. That's right. So, um, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's like the, the good thing about it. And you get, you know, some sort of networking and you go to the event and all that stuff, which is, which is fun. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's more about, does that help us as a brand as, and as a team? And yeah, of course, right. Just add some validation to what it is that we're doing. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, the PR aspect of it, obviously, um, because it comes out the the fact that, hey, there's this guy, he runs this company. If you haven't heard of it, they're pretty darn cool. They do some cool things. Um, one one thing I would like to shout out, your newsletter is awesome. Uh, I spoke to Russ and I was like, hey, man, like, how can I help? He's like, do you have our newsletter? I was like, no. And he's like, please sign up for it. I was like, yeah, sure. I have enough newsletters. That's cool. I'll, I'll sign up for another one. That is one of the two that I actually pay attention to the most. So I That's do appreciate great. it. The content in it is awesome. I also have this sweet mug. I made all my friends sign up for it. Nice. So I appreciate there the mug, go. man. I use that sometimes. Love it. Love it. It's stained. But I mean, it's with That's coffee, okay. right? That's, That's the whole coffee. point. That's, That's how we're point. not tired. That's the whole That's point. Um, so with, uh, with becoming, uh, especially this last year, really full-time CEO, 
the love of it, I have to assume, started with content, correct? Like you creating yeah. content. Now that you're on the CEO path or really with what you're doing, how much content do you actually get to create anymore? Yeah, I mean, there's a pretty good separation between editorial and business. Uh, so it's like very limited. But I have a lot of say into how we like build partnerships for our partners and then building some of the other things and building the other properties. So I'm not building content day to day, but we're building all the other things that are moving the business forward. And of course, like you still see things and you, you know, give suggestions and you act as an intermediary here and there. But for the most part, it's, it's, it's just an evolution. And I think the most fun part is that as long as I do my job, right, that it allows other people to take advantage of what the opportunities we have. And like, that's the, that's the cool part is that we can do that stuff. Right. So that's, that's what I think gets me most excited is that as long as, I get my work done and I continue to make sure that, you know, I'm working with the investors and I'm handling all that stuff. And these people can go home and pay for their kids college tuition and pay for their kids shoes or pay for their apartment or whatever, go out with their friends, take vacations. Right. So I don't know. That's, that's more about why it's so much fun is because like every day you wake up and it's like, well, fun and stressful every day you wake up, but you have, you know, 13 people whose theoretically livelihood is counting yeah. on you making the right decisions, you helping sell partnerships, you not fucking shit up, you not saying stupid things, um, you know, you not, you just have to be the best representative of the company because it's like, you know, you mess up and then it's on all of them, right? So that's kind of, that's how I see it. But at the end of the day, right, like, it's like an MBA in a box and it's like everything that you could ever ask for. So you do this and you spend three, four, five years building a team, building a brand, laying the groundwork for a sustainable business that, you know, that's the next step is now it's like, how do we get it to the point where theoretically, and God forbid this ever happened, Russ and I could freaking get hit by bus and we could no longer be here, but FOS would still live on. And like, that's where you have to get to at some point. Like you can't, you, you can't, it, the business can no longer be really dependent on you. It has to be, you know, carried on by you, but dependent on the people who are doing the work. Yeah. And that, and that comes down to structure and processes, right? I mean, that's what, that's one thing I think most entrepreneurs, um, especially within that, that early part where, yeah, you only have a few employees. If you did get taken away from the situation, it does seem like it's not going to be the best. Uh, it's not going to be the best for everybody else involved, sure. but understanding that you have to get to that point, I think is very important. Um, and it seems like you're well on your way and you guys are doing a pretty darn good job at it. So, Hey man, Whatever you're doing, it's working. I enjoy it. You know, hopefully others enjoy it. Hopefully a couple new people learn about you guys and they're like, wait, what do you mean a coffee cup? Like, I want a coffee cup. I need another. I only have a million. Like, I need one more. Um, It is weird. Whenever anyone says, do you want a coffee cup? I'm going to take it. I don't need them. I'm going to take it. It's a weird thing. And maybe it's me. I don't know. Um, So with, uh, so the podcast you guys have, Office Hours, it was released recently. That's you on the show, correct? Yeah, me. It wasn't supposed to be me, but ended up being me, so... Well, that it all works. I mean, it, it's pretty sweet networking again with uh, yeah. some of the people on there. I mean, just to name a few, we have Eric Nardini from um, uh, Barstool. We have Howard Mittman from Bleacher Report. We have the Rabel Brothers who started the, the PLL. Um, I know Jamel Hill was on there. There's a couple on there. Uh, I didn't write everyone down because... I mean, that, then it's just me talking unnecessarily like I'm doing right now. But I think it is, it is awesome and just getting to have those conversations. And I mean, I'm not going to lie, what I'm doing here is something that is very similar because it's what I like to do. I want to talk to interesting people about yeah. sports and about what they're doing. And look at that. Now you're on the other side of the microphone. So what is it, what do you enjoy about the podcast? And, and honestly, why did it 
kind of take you guys so long to get there? Because I feel like with the podcast industry blowing up now-ish, I mean, I felt like something like this could have been done a year ago. Like, what, yeah, were, I mean, what we were the reasons behind it? We just weren't at that point. I mean, we were, I mean like, a year ago, we had one full-time person. <laughs> Can't yeah. really do a podcast with one full-time other person besides Russ and myself. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was just something that we were at that stage. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I just like it because at the end of the day, it's back to what I used to do. I exactly. really started doing interviews. I just, instead of recording them, I wrote them down <laughs> and, and I did that. And so that's, it's just a fun thing for me to be able to sit down, do some research, talk to people. I think, I think when I'm interviewing people, I'm pretty good interviewer in terms of just like kind of walking through the questions and, you know, asking the right questions and, and going back and not trying to like keep it like one, two, three, four, and just making sure we're building together. So yeah, I don't know. I, I found it to be really fun and really just, it's just back to what it was, right? Which is yeah. kind of fun, just in a different medium. Yeah. And I mean, it's still, you're asking all the same questions, but now you don't have to do as much writing. I think that yeah. might make life a little bit easier, yeah. but I, I guess. Transcribe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the part I honestly hate the most, but I guess um, I got to ask, how am I doing so far? Not good. Yeah. yeah. I think it's good. Yeah. Super conversational, which is what it should be like. All right. You think about the most successful podcasts, right? Like Joe Rogan is yep. a conversational podcast. All these other ones are conversational. This is how people relate, right? People, people relate from people who are talking like they would be talking to them as a friend, not like they would be talking to them as a robot. Hey, can you answer this question? What's this one? What's this? What's the, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's, I, uh, that's where that happened. Everything I do hate happened. those. I hate those podcasts. I do. I'll, I'll admit, I've recently started really getting into Joe Rogan's podcast and it's, real weird but man i love it i don't know what it is um but yeah i enjoy what you guys are doing too i'm not gonna sit here and lie and say i listen to all the episodes but um the one with erica nardini was awesome she i mean she's just an incredible person and with uh being able to network with some of these people like again howard mittman who runs bleacher report erica nardini running barstool do you like do they offer anything in terms of like mentorship and kind of understanding where you were do you ask those types of questions or is it really just like a fluid relationship if you need something you call them up kind of thing uh yeah i mean it's just i wouldn't say it's, it's a fluid it's a fluid relationship it's nothing crazy um it's something that we we've been able to to take advantage of um but not like howard is close erica's close but it's just a working professional relationship they're busy people right oh goodness yeah uh, you know, so it's, we try and work together if they have something they want to tell and things like that. But yeah, we've, I've grown closer to both of them over the years that I've done this because they've been seeing what we're doing and watching what we're doing and they're fans of what we're doing and vice versa. I love it, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big, uh, I really, I mean, some of Barstool's awesome. Some of Bleacher Report's awesome. I mean, I think it's the nice thing about media companies is when you do start to grab that many personalities and doing that many different things, um, everybody doesn't have to love everything you do. They just have to love a little bit of what you do. And that's, you know, a great way to grow um, what you're doing. Um, so with partnerships and brands, that's something that you've brought up multiple times. One, I think that's really cool that you guys are doing is uh, with, um, AB and Bev, uh, and with uh, Rising 25, you got the, the jersey kits and everything. I thought that was a really, really cool way of doing it. How, how do you authentically find brands like that to engage in something kind of a little out there almost? Luckily, it's just about building trust. Like I built trust with Nick and the team over there, and I told them, hey, we want to do this. And they're like, okay, you know, cool, oh, that's go easy. ahead. You know? And it, it really, it, 
only way it, it is an okay is because we built the trust and we executed last year at such an extremely high level that they have no reason not to trust us to execute again at, the, at a higher level. And so they're getting big into soccer. We had the opportunity and saw that we could do something very, very unique and very, very creative. Uh, and we did. And I mean, that's, that's a, a case study for all the other brands that we want to work with. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's really cool. Uh, again, and like a lot of the stuff that you guys do on the partnership side, some of it, you know, in the newsletter, we have some cool content in there, which is always, is always interesting. Um, I don't really hop on your website too much, honestly, because the newsletter has all the information I need. I'll click on a couple articles here and there. But um, no, obviously, with the social media, you guys rocking it. So whoever you do have planning, strategizing, posting, graphics, shout out to them. They're doing a killer job. Um, so I guess, I mean, I might probably know the answer to this question, but like, what is the, you know, 5, 10, 15 year, whatever year you want to pick, like, what's that vision of the company where you could say, you know, okay, maybe I can, this is like the fourth chapter of my book. Um, or I guess what chapter do you think you're on now? You're probably on chapter four. I take that back. All right. Like, like towards yeah. the end, not quite the end. I don't know. I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's tough to tell. You know, I think there's, there's a place where I'm still running FOS. There's a place where I'm not running FOS and doing something else. Um, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to project out that far, right? Like I just want to make sure that by the time I decide to have a family that everything is like pretty stable and that I don't have to worry about anything. Not that I'm worried about anything right now, but you just want to get to that point. So, um, I think, I think that's the biggest focus in terms of like just setting myself up for future success and then getting to the point where I can turn around and, and do what the investors did for us, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't have to invest in us, but they took a chance on two people, Russ and myself, that they thought that, you know, look, we're going to give them a couple bucks and see if they can make it work. And so far, we haven't let them down. So it's like, it's a pretty cool, you know, thing to, to, to see. It is pretty nice. So hopefully can one day give the, that some other kid who comes into my office and says, Hey, I think this can work. And you know, just bet on them. I like it. Hey, sports gambling. You guys going to exactly. start covering that soon? No. Um, what I guess for 2020, do you guys have anything specific in place that you can like point to or talk about a little bit? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it just comes down to, like I said, refining the areas that we've already started to build on. So, you know, investing in journalism, uh, investing in the content side of things, investing in building better events, investing in a better product and a better on-site experience for our users and a better newsletter, just professionalizing everything, getting an idea of where we really sit in this ecosystem, uh, and then focusing on that. It really comes down to just making sure we're, we're growing our audience, we're selling the, the inventory, and then we're you know, building a, a really good product. That is fantastic. And oh, the last thing I do want to say is uh, you guys breaking the Tony Romo news. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Yeah, how, like, helps, how, helps. yeah, it absolutely does. And, you know, seeing it come across ESPN, if I'm not mistaken, or Bleacher Report, I well, can't remember. I can't remember. Wherever I, I got. ES, I don't think it'd be on ESPN because it was news about ESPN. Uh, oh, that's a good point. Then maybe it was Bleacher Report because I just remember whatever notification I got and it just, you know, had, you know, per front office sports or exactly how it said. I don't remember remember but i just thought it was really cool and clearly points to like those are milestones right like you know going back to the book that's a chapter in the book man hey that one time that we broke the news about tony romo wanting 10 to 14 million dollars a year or whatever the hell it was i think is uh it's a pretty cool yeah. get so whoever got that i mean congrats yeah. to them thanks man thanks. it's something but awesome adam white front office sports ceo this was great man thank you so much for your time yeah thanks brother i appreciate it 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes of For the Love of Sports. Um, on a personal note, I would really like to say thank you and and sincerely, sincerely mean that. This is the actual favorite thing that I get to do. Just talk to incredible people, have great conversations, and I learn and hopefully you're learning something and hopefully we can laugh along the way. So if you could please give this a five-star review, if you could please share this Um subscribe to it do whatever you have to do the more people that do that the more these stories and these conversations get out and i'm really hoping that one day um one day soon this will be something that i get to do as a full-time job um, on top of my other full-time job of course but this is an absolute blast sincerely appreciate it check the show notes for all social media handles anything that came from the episode we'll have everything down there and i hope you really did enjoy it so if there's anything i can do better please make sure to reach out uh, my email address michael period one at gmail please make sure to check me out on linkedin uh, on instagram and and just reach out because i'm willing to answer any questions and hey if you got a cool story i'd love to have you on as well so thank you so much sincerely appreciate it and i hope you make it a wonderful day